I'm a lean, mean, speed thingy. Welcome to So There I Was. That's how all great aviation tales begin. You're damn right it is. And this is episode 50. 50. Holy cow. 50. And, and yeah, so that's at least 350 tales because I figure we're averaging six <laughs> tales a show. At least at a I minimum. I could be wrong. Well, <laughs> quick hey, back hey, of the napkin pilot up. math there. You may be underestimating. I don't, I'm not sure, and I'm not going to swear to anything at this point. But episode 50, another great interview with uh, naval aviator, former Harrier pilot, Slaff. Indeed. And the cool thing about Slaff is he's second generation, huh, Fig? So That's right. And as a precursor, uh, yeah. we're trying to get uh, Slaff Senior on uh, in a few weeks. We're yep. kind of nailing down for an interview right now. Flew Banshees. F9F Panthers, and he's agreed to come chat with us too in the near future. So, Slaff's got Slaff's got a great history. He's got a lot of great stories, and and I don't think we even got close to getting them all on on uh, uh, being recorded. You know, he starts with uh, being a gearhead car guy. Yeah, morphed into working on a T33. Got an airplane ride at the end when it was flyable, and got that thing up and running. His dad said, "Don't you dare get in." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't you do it and he did it he said he went out and pulled six g's in a loop and he says i gotta do this for a living no i mean who wouldn't i right. mean we all done. We're like okay I, I gotta do that again and again you know and again again yes and slaps had some uh well he i don't want to i don't want to run it but uh wow he saw a lot in his gun squadron years yeah well th- uh, yeah his first week in the gun squadron he- <laughs> Yes. Watched two airplanes leave and one airplane come back and one guy come back uh, in the back of a helicopter, all nice and wet. And yeah. Yeah. they let's exactly. just say they violated their 500 foot bubble, safety bubble <laughs> during their ACM air combat maneuvering flight. Yeah. Uh, so that was his first week in, in the gun squadron. And then they went out to Yuma on a debt and he watched a guy eject. <laughs> his first yeah, thought it, was. This show, this week's show title, right? Why is there a hot air balloon in the traffic pattern? <laughs> <laughs> and and as a side note, as a how small this aviation world really is, a mere two weeks ago, I'm given a check ride in the simulator, and he found out of my back, found out I had a Harrier background, and he said, "Hey, I, I was at a I was at a Harrier base once in Yuma, and I saw this." airplane going across the ground crashed into the parking lot pilot ejected and i'm saying what year was that and it was the exact same incident that last witness aviation is a small world and it's even smaller when you start getting into tactical aviation but boy is this fun to get all these stories down i'm looking forward to more we've got remember chaos he talked to us about W.R. Spicer in his book, Sea Stories of a U.S. Marine. We've got him coming up oh soon gosh. as well. Yes. So we're just loaded with good stuff, and people keep writing into us. We've got someone else coming up who is an author and a retired American Airlines captain, and he's got a fascinating life story. So I'm looking forward to that, too. I can't wait to hear those stories either. Yeah. But I think we ought to get out of the way and let Slaff tell his stories here. So sit back, relax, make sure you're not sitting on that ejection handle. 
Don't sit on it. Here comes episode 50, heading your way. On the tanker, through the weather. Oh, and to the uh, tanker crew who uh, did that. Thanks a lot. We really appreciated that. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. crossing the pond and you could see that i wasn't exactly fun so there i was which is how all great aviation tales begin welcome uh this is fig coming to you from kansas city where are you where's my co-horse today greetings from seattle repeat here out in seattle glad to be back with everybody in fact fig i want to just take a quick uh, note of personal interest we got uh, some feedback on our facebook page from a gent named Marcus in Westford, Vermont. And he sent me a picture of his nine-year-old son, Sebastian, who listens to our show with him. And it says, Sebastian gets upset when I listen without him. He says, you guys are awesome. And quickly, this has be quickly become my favorite podcast. Sebastian gets pissed when I listen without him as well. <laughs> so keep up the outstanding content and you make my Thursdays great. And then he sent me a picture of Sebastian right after he got a helicopter ride to school on his ninth birthday. Whoa, whoa. Did you say helicopter ride to school? He did. He got a helicopter ride to school on his ninth birthday. So, man, that is a family that's going to be dialed into aviation. Sebastian's one of our uh, future aviators, I can tell already. So, uh, yeah. So, that's cool stuff. And another cool thing is our guest today, Slaff, fellow Harrier pilot, coming to us from the Dallas area. Welcome, Slaff. Well, it's great to be here. Glad you could join us. I I, I don't know about you, but I always, I always like, um, I always like hearing stories from our fellow Harrier brother. (laughs) And I know, I know Slash got some good ones. They're they're scarier. The Harriers are scarier. (laughs) Only for the, only for the uh, uh, uninitiated, uninitiated. uninitiated, That's right. There you go. Absolutely. So, so welcome, Slash. We got to begin with the standard question. How'd you get interested in aviation and how is it you wound up uh, in the Marines flying Harriers? Wow. You know, my dad was a uh, AVCAD and uh, he grew up in the Midwest and he went into the NAVCAD program with just two years of college. And when he got his wings, they said, hey, we need some guys to go fly for the Marine Corps. And he and his buddy said, well, what are we flying? And they said, well, you're going to, you're going to, uh, there's a squadron that's going to, uh, uh, a med cruise, 1957 med cruise, and you're going to be flying banshees. And originally they were supposed to go on the four stall, but then it got changed to the Lake Champlain, which was one of the last straight deck carriers. Oh, no kidding. Okay. So that was a a really neat thing. And I know you just read that letter on one of the episodes about a very similar guy. 1954 is when my dad was a NAFCAD. He was one of the first guys to go through the T-28. So all that was kind of in my, my, my growing up years and, uh, you know, his stories and everything. There I was 50,000 feet with nothing running but my wristwatch. uh, (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) Took his banshee up to 50,000 feet flying both engines out. So he has, he has some great stories. He's still around. He's lived outside of Tucson. And, uh, but you know, when you're a kid, 
I didn't, I wish I would have listened to my dad more because I mean, after he got out of active, it's duty, amazing how much smarter our parents get after we turn 25 to 30, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes. Well, he didn't have a, you know, a four-year degree and he got off of active duty and he went to Purdue and worked his way through college at Purdue, where I was born in Lafayette, Indiana, flying for the Air Guard, flying F-84s for the Air Guard and telling stories about landing, landing banshees on the boat at night. Nice. And, and so... I wish I would have listened to that part about the air guard a little bit right, more dude. carefully. I can't tell you how many people that ask me, you know, about essentially mentoring them, you know, what's my path? What's my best path? I hammer the air guard home so much. If I had known then what I know oh now, I, hey, look, I love being a Marine officer. I love the opportunity to fly the Harrier. But if, if flying is your number one goal and flying cool airplanes, go air guard. Beg, borrow, steal, do whatever you have to do to get air guard. Am I right or am I right? I mean, you guys. Well, well, so I can't speak for what it's like right now, but I know, you know, back in the day, it's gotten, things are a little different now, but. Sure they are. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't listen to that part, but growing up, I was, I I was, I was a motorhead. I was working on cars. My big plan was just to be an auto mechanic. You know, that was you know, going through high school, that's what I wanted to do. And then I got mixed up working with this guy who owned a body shop. And on the side, he was putting together a T-33, which is two seat, single engine, straight wing. And he was putting that thing together down in San Jose. And on the weekends, Saturday morning, I'd go over to his place. We'd load up the car with airplane parts and go work on the, work on the jet. And we finally got the thing flying and they flew it over to Oakland and the FAA letter of agreement to fly it, we had to put 25 hours on this thing. And so it's flying. And my dad, by the way, said, do not, do not fly in that airplane. (laughs) Don't, don't do it. And luckily I was 18 and way smarter than anybody else. Right. Well, all 18 year olds are. Yeah. Yeah. Took that under advisement, but my turn for a backseat ride and that thing came up and we blasted off and flew over the Bay Bridge and out over the Golden Gate Bridge and up towards Point Reyes, the one of whiskey areas, the warning areas up there. And this guy, you know, we pulled six G's in a loop and it was like, holy cow. I mean, it just, I was like, you're hooked. hooked. I have to do this. Right. Okay. Was the body shop guy, the guy flying it? No. The guy that had Okay. So he, no. he, there was somebody else that was qualified. Yeah. As a, okay. Yeah. So yeah, there, there was a, an old, there, and, and this thing, once we got the thing flying, boy, it attracted a bunch of guys that wanted to fly oh, yeah. the jet. And the scheme with this jet to make money was he was going to make a T-33 flying club. And this is in the late seventies. So yeah. for a mere $3,000, you can join the club. And you can fly it for basically fuel and tires. And the FAA wasn't really that happy about that. There's that whole typewriting thing on a pure jet you need, but. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, in the training program. So anyway, that kind of went along. But it was really neat because it did expose me to a lot of, uh, a lot of really cool aviation. I mean, there was a guy that actually flew it that uh, operated a P-51 out of, uh, 
out of Sonoma Sky Park, which is up by Napa. And, uh, you know, I got a ride in the back of that thing. There was another rich guy in Oakland that had a T-28 and, you know, rode around in that. And they're all flirting with me to fly this jet. Like I have any, like I have any input on that. (laughs) So, yeah. So that's, that's what really tripped the trigger. And then I started asking guys, it's like, well, what do I have to do to go do this in the, in the service and do this, you know, the right way. Oh, four year degree. It's like, Ooh, son of a bad word. (laughs) Yeah. I had a, three-digit SAT score, like not, not low three digits, but it was not good. And, uh, yeah, well, you probably never applied yourself. Yeah. I wasn't that excited about that. <laughs> I was, I think I, I was, I was mildly, I was mildly dyslexic, like, like most pilots are, you know, we're mildly yeah, dyslexic, sure. but good with our hands and spatial orientation and such, you know, for, so for anybody out there, like the young guy that, that rode in, and our future naval aviators are don't let any of this stuff stop you. Right. right. That's exactly right. This is a perseverance game. It is. And the service, my OSO, the officer selection office, he said, Scott, you know, that door will just keep getting narrower and narrower as you progress. Just don't bump into the sides. Just try to stay in the center and get through it. And, uh, Yeah, we've we've all done that. We're lucky enough to have done that, you know. And sometimes you bump into one like you did, repeat, where you had to had to delay to go to go to flight school. I don't, you know, I don't know if I could have done that, but that's the perseverance. It's like, and sometimes those experiences really, really are turn out to be maybe some of the neatest experiences that you have. I'll give you that. That you know, I mean, I was uh, I was livid when I wound up having to go to the fleet for for three years and then, uh, you know, almost, almost lost the flight contract completely. And was, I was getting ready to get out when I managed to get orders to flight school back. And I was like, oh. yeah, then, you know, should I stay or should I go? And I'm like, yeah, you'll never have an opportunity like this again. You take it and, and go. So that's, that's why I, I did, you know, but I, I seriously considered not going to flight school, which blows my mind in retrospect. I look at that, go, right. Man, that would have been a dumb mistake, but spite. You know, it was spite. Yeah. Part of it. Yeah. You know, I'd put all this effort in and got nothing out of it. It's like, why would I keep putting effort in? You know, but but then I went. Then the wiser of me, <laughs> yeah, on side said, "Hey, you are not going to get this opportunity again. You better grab it by the <clears throat> short hairs while you can." So, yeah. Hey, I, I want to take a quick diversion, Slaff, and ask. You mentioned your dad. Your dad's still with us. Might we hear from him at any point? Yeah, you know. Uh- I've thought about that. I, I did introduce him to your podcast. Okay. Uh, he listened to, of course, he knows Lawman. I know Lawman okay. really pretty well. And, and he knew him from when I went through flight school, you know, in the same, same time frame. So he listened to those episodes. And also the latest one where the, you know, the flight of four took on the, uh, or the three, what was it? Three MIG kills with. Yeah, four, uh, four, four MIG kills. One, yeah. One yeah six four, MIG kills. four MIG kills. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which wow. is, you know, he was about five years ahead of him, maybe 10 years, 10 years ahead of yeah. my dad. And, uh, okay. but yeah, that, uh, yeah, I will, uh, definitely see if he's, if he's interested, which I think he, he would be. That would be awesome to hear from some of that vintage of, uh, naval aviation is, uh, you know, those guys are, are gods. 
<laughs> yeah. Cut. They really are. Yeah. The well, stuff like they went through and survived. Now. Yeah. And that they survived. I mean, I don't think, I don't know if you remember when we did our 50th anniversary, it was the first time I found out that uh, our squadron lost four airplanes on its very first day of carrier calls. One day. And are you talking about the, 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 uh, uh, the Panthers? The pan- yeah, the Panthers. They lost four oh, Panthers yeah. in one day going to the carrier. The very first the squadron got the, the yes. 23, got the Panthers. Yes. And they went to the carrier to do carrier calls yeah. and lost yeah. four airplanes that day. Yeah, and then they went to the club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh. It was, well, yeah. What yeah. a different world. So. Yeah, it is a different world, definitely. So you went to uh, Kingsville for jet training, and I saw in your email, uh, was that Rosemary Mariner? Was that T- Tammy Joe's kind of a mentor? Repeat? That yes. Name sounded familiar. Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah, Commander Mariner. Uh, and she Captain was the OPSO yes, of VT-23 when Slap checked in there, I think. No kidding. Right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, I guess she and, was a pretty sharp gal. She was the first, right? Yeah. She was the first female naval aviator. And I didn't know that going through. She didn't wear it on her sleeve or anything. She was just, you know, nice professional naval aviator, as they should be. Tut was her husband, Tommy Mariner, was the OPSO of VT-22. Okay. All right. I flew with Rosemary maybe a couple of times. When I was in 23, VT-23 was just a blur. They put me on some kind of super fast track. They need one more guy to go to the boat. So they just like ran me through to get to go to the boat. And we went to the, went to the Kitty Hawk in the, in the uh, T2. Then I went to VT-22. Tut, tits up Tommy. That's what his yep. call sign is. <laughs> <laughs> Love Super it. nice guy. He was the opso. It was a good squadron. We had a good squadron. Uh, but, you know, you're just kind of a passenger as a student going through the squadron. Yeah, but right. it's where, you know, it's your formative years where the where the antics of the instructors are what's kind of forming your naval aviation flavor, right. I think. Right? right? Yeah. They were fun-loving guys. But one of the things... I mentioned this in my my email to you, Fig, was very early on, uh, I remember waking up and it was Saturday morning and we got a call from a friend and there had been a midair at night FCLPs right. in at Kingsville. Are you guys familiar with that mishap? No. Yeah. I remember when that happened. My mother was actually an emergency room nurse at the Kingsville Hospital when that happened. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was it was very sobering uh like like all mishaps are, but this one particularly because uh the 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 marine that was involved was a MESEP, you know, just walked on water. So he MESEP is what is it? Marine enlisted, enlisted commissioning, commissioning program. Yeah. Yeah. Commissioning program. Yep. And it's, it's the crim to the crim. Uh, yeah. Aerospace engineer from Purdue, this guy was wife and young child and young boy, I think. He was flying the pattern where he was supposed to be, and the other guy took off. They turned off the runway lights. He turned downwind, couldn't really see anything, was somewhat disoriented, got way wide in the pattern, and he's flying his pattern, and the guys in the shack are 
he's calling out Clara because he can't see the ball. Yep. They're like, you're looking good. Keep, keep it coming. They were looking at, they were looking at John Orlandi, who was the, in yeah. the right place. And finally, this, the other guy took his own wave off, uh, right into the bottom of, of uh, John's airplane. And they were both, they were both, both killed. But, uh, yeah. I kind of said to myself, this is a serious business. This can be a lot of fun. I get it, but this is a deadly serious business oh, yeah. not to put a damper on everything. You know, nobody's shooting at you, you know? So maybe I was a little bit more serious than I should have been through my uh, aviation career, but that's just what forms you and makes that part of your history. No, it is. And I think most of us in naval aviation, regardless of, of what fleet we went to, some more so than others, but m- most of us lost a lot of friends. Uh, yeah, it was it, it was it was it was tragic in that sense, and to this day, it's a dangerous business. But man, is it rewarding? You know, when when you do get to do yep. it, there's nothing like it in the world. So, yeah. So, what was it like? Uh, so, you you got winged down there in Kingsville, and in your email, you said um, you you had gone to see the uh, senior marine, and the next thing you know, the, uh, the he had the Harrier Rag CO on the phone. Yeah, something like that. How did that go? <laughs> well, you, you know, uh, what is it? Yeah, I got winged, and then I and then the selection came up, and I went. To, he was the, the senior marine was the AMO at VT twenty two at the time. I went okay. down to his office and you know chatted with him, and uh, I don't know, maybe he gave me the news. I, I, okay. I it was kind of a blur there. He might have given me the news that I got Harriers. And he goes, well, let's call up uh, Capito up there at 203. So he calls VMAT 203. And before you know it, John <laughs> Capito, Bambi's on the line. And, and then he hands me the phone, you know. And it's like, ah, Caps was super gregarious. Oh, and yeah. just a just a great Absolutely. guy. Absolutely. And, we uh, lost him in the last, it might be over a year now, just a little over a year yeah. now. But yeah, that was sad. I was impressed by even getting to talk to him and he's like, Hey, get your butt up here and we need you to start flying the jet. It was kind of late in the year. So there was a little bit, you know, we had to go through the holidays and everything and, and got up there. And there was a little bit of delay before we started the rag and uh, they had to get seven lieutenants together before we could start. That's what it was. <laughs> of course. You had seven lieutenants and a lieutenant colonel in your rag class. Yeah. Yeah. So we had, Spike was a lieutenant colonel, and we had Mags, Spud, Flattop, Tron. Skivvies. Skivvies, yeah. Skivvies and myself. Is that seven? Rump. I think that's. Tom Rump. Oh, Rump. Yeah. 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 So we were waiting to start the ragging, and we, we all started the ragging and went through, went through together, and they called us Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs because uh, – <laughs> because Spike had gray hair and, nice. and and we were just trailing around like like you know little puppies and everything. But I became really good friends with Tron, and Tron and I I remember we would we would study together and we would sit and we would drill each other on the throttle box. The throttle box was still there, where you know the throttle quadrant where you do all your procedures with the nozzles and everything. And, and I thought that that was a, that was a good thing. One of the kind of uh, confession in the rag, I had my first operational right. navigation, right. Doing a low yep. level through North Carolina. 
And everybody's like, oh, man, it's so easy. You got the INS, you know, just go from point to point, just plug them in right. You're good to go. Easy. So, and I have a map and everything, and I studied it and uh, plug all the points in, right? I get ready to taxi, and I look down, and I taxied about a couple of feet, and I'm like, shoot, I was still in a line on the nav switch, hadn't gone to nav on my uh ins just introduced a little error in the yeah and i'm thinking to myself (laughs) how bad can that be two feet two feet yeah a couple feet go wrong (laughs) what could possibly you know and 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 greyhound was chasing me in a two-seater and it was just a freaking disaster i was uh yeah so i got to do that one again that was my first and only down. So got to do that one again. But you're you're like one of just a couple people that know the true story on that one. Get Greyhound yeah. on. How about but that? We're trying to get Greyhound. We have on gotten there. Greyhound a microphone and a headset. We're dying to get him on. He, he calls me with a funny story now and then. I'm like, Greyhound, I'm just going to start re- recording our phone calls here because you have some amazing stories. We've got to get them down. So be prepared to uh, wrap your ribs up with tape before you listen to that episode. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. He he was one of the more fun guys in the Rag Squadron. He was our, he, he was our XO when we checked into uh, to uh, VMA two twenty three. And if you walked into the ready room when he was in there holding court, you could just kiss the rest of your morning or afternoon goodbye because the oh, it yeah. was stories were on. <laughs> I think that's everywhere that he was. Yes, I went to the didn't go to this last reunion, but the one that was in Pensacola. I went to that. He was yucking it up there pretty well. And, uh, the, yeah. So the rag was a lot of fun. All the, all the seven lieutenants, we made it out, you know, pretty much unscathed. And then in the group's infinite wisdom, they sent us all to 542. Wow. 542 was just getting brand new airplanes. And Buck Tabor was the CO when they had the A models and he had just a super great squadron. And those guys came down face, you know, face Fitzgerald. He was a WTI down there. Beans was down there. Samurai. Uh, yeah. And Samurai was a rag instructor when we went to the rag. Yeah. So we all, we all walked down the street at, as you know, in mass I don't know in retrospect if that was the best way to do things because we kind of had our own flavor as a bunch of knucklehead lieutenants you know and we might have been a little bit difficult to uh get under control (laughs) yeah i remember i checked into the squadron and maybe the first day i was down there in the squadron it was a friday we weren't obviously flying or anything and face and hawk were going out to fight with you know do some dact dissimilar with lancer in the uh, warning areas lancer fighter pilots fighter pilot right right so let me back up ever so briefly uh will you get your thoughts together uh dact different or differential air combat training so we would go out and fight another airframe it wasn't another area we'd go out and flight a dissimilar dissimilar uh, dissimilar yeah dissimilar so it could be anything, F-16s, F-18s, F-14s, whatever. But it was not a Harrier is the point. Is we went out and did air combat maneuvering against other airframes. So, um, yeah. I, relinquished, I relinquished my soapbox, sir. 
So face goes down in the chalk. So now it's 2v1 the hard way for Hawk, right? So he goes out there and maybe get Hawk on here too. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's got some good stories. I think it was the first merge with Lancer. And all of a sudden we get word back in the ready room that he's gone down out there. Hawk has. Oof. And so they launch a SAR and everything goes into motion and good shoot. And SAR picks him up in the water out there. Well, Lancer comes back and he parks his Hornet, which came up from Buford. So he would, he would frag a Hornet to come up from Buford and a tanker. And on Friday afternoons, he would go out there and he would go out there and line up fights up and down the street. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he comes into the ready room. I remember Lancer comes into the ready room. He's holding that big VHS tape in his hand. I got it all on tape. I got it all on tape. And it's like, whoa, it was pretty exciting being in a fleet, just one yeah, day in right. a fleet, right? Yeah, this is day one. <laughs> this is day one. I walk out onto the line to see his airplane. His airplane looks good, but the left horizontal stab looks like somebody took a bandsaw and cut off about maybe a third of it. Wow. The left horizontal stab, just a clean chop and what had happened lancer according to hawk crossed across his nose hawk's nose a couple of times to the merge oh and finally hawk nosed over unloaded lancer's left horizontal stab took off half a hawk's right wing and that was a kill for the hornet right yeah uh, <laughs> yeah and Lancer thought it sounds he just, like the 500 foot bubble might have been slightly violated. I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lancer said that he thought he just thumped him, and the tapes showed a little bit different story. They had they convened a, a board, and there was a two star on the board because Lancer was a one star. They said, "Okay, don't don't do that anymore, you guys." Okay, and wow, continue on, right? Wow. So that was pretty exciting introduction yeah. to Yeah, welcome to welcome to fleet. Yeah. So the progression, you know, we started flying and our first deployment, just Conus deployment weapons dead out to Yuma. We'll go out to Yuma and you know, race around the chocolate mountains and yeah, drop uh, some live ordnance, drop some live weather, lots of ranges. Yeah, lots of ranges and everything. So there I was on a really <laughs> nice day. We're going to go out and shoot some rockets, just 2.75 inch Zunis. The lead is Stryker, who was uh, our Brit exchange guy, Stryker Moran. Dash two was Rump, and I was Dash three. And we blast off and we head out there to the uh, rake range. We shoot our rockets. Rump shoots both packs. Both Stryker and I had a hung pack. We couldn't shoot the rockets. No rockets would come out. So we had to come back in for a hung ordnance straight in. And they're landing towards the north at Yuma. Or what is that? The yeah, kind of the north, northeast? Yeah. Northwest. Yeah, it was like runway northeast. three. So we're 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 coming back and we get all joined up and then we had brief. We'll just take separation on final. We do that and I go down to 50 nozzles and start taking separation and rump does the same thing. And we're all got a pretty nice interval and, and striker, he, he briefed, he said, Hey, land on the center line of the runway. Then when you have everything under control, just ease off to the side that de-arming's on and we'll get de-armed. 
So striker, he lands on the, on the center line and I'm kind of watching this and just kind of 60 nozzles, just moaning along at a hundred knots or whatever. Rump lands and I'm watching him and rump lands. And rather than pulling off to the right side of the runway, his airplane starts going over to the left side of the runway. Oh. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, this guy is always kind of always doing something different. You know, it was just like, okay, wonder what he's doing. And, and I'm watching with a, l- a little bit more intently. He's not really correcting back to the runway. It's heading off towards the side of the runway. And then I'm thinking, oh, man. Well, to myself, these are all silent thoughts. I hope he gets the motor shut down so he doesn't fog the motor as he goes off the runway. Yeah. There's no big threat there. The next thing, I'm, I, I better start going around. So I start coming up on the power and I look out my front windscreen and I'm thinking to myself, what? what is this hot air balloon doing in the airport traffic area? Oh boy. I know what that <laughs> Orange, is. Orange, <laughs> white, and green hot air balloon. And luckily before I could key the mic, I see seat man separation. Oh geez. And I'm like, holy shit. And I transmit the striker. I'm like, rumps ejected. And now tower's going crazy. Crash, 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 crash on the field. And they're like, everybody depart the airport traffic area. And they, you know, they call me, depart the airport traffic area, you know, turn left, blah, blah, blah. I look at my gas and I got 1,500 pounds of gas and I'm like, I'm not going oh, anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. If you had another gas tower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I say, ah, I'll just go ahead and, you know, delta overhead. So I'll just do, I'll just orbit overhead until they get this taken care of. I can take a couple spins in the pattern, right? And they, they said, okay, yeah, that do that. And I'm just still going around and I'm watching Rump's airplane motocross through the desert and it, <laughs> it's, it's motocross and it's kicking up all kinds of dust. And then it starts turning back towards the east side of the field over where the hangars are. Well, we're on that. We're on the west runway and there's quite a bit of terrain in between the two runways. I'm like, well, it'll never make it across all of that. <laughs> And unless then, it does. <laughs> <laughs> unless it does. Then it starts making another turn back to the left into the wind because it was a left to right crosswind. And it starts heading towards the McDonnell Douglas test facility. Oh. McDonnell Douglas, I got a building, a big parking lot, you know, maybe a hundred cars. Yeah. And I'm looking at now I'm I'm almost a beam the jet thinking to myself, what can I do to stop this catastrophe that's about to happen? And I'm just, I am looking at it and it's like, it is gonna wipe out this building. It's headed right for it. Oh boy. That's terrifying. It's like a car crash. I couldn't watch. Look away. No, I couldn't, I couldn't watch anymore. So I fly and I'm expecting. So I'm, and now it's time to turn downwind. And I turn downwind expecting to see flames and, and people running out of the building on fire and everything. And I don't. I see the airplane. It's over next to the building and crash fire rescues right there. And there's foam and everything by the airplane. And then I came back around and I landed and did a slow landing, probably the worst landing of my life. <laughs> And then pulled off the de-arming. And what had happened was 
The airplane got wrangled by a chain link fence. One of the Lao 7s like hit the back of a sedan. The other one hit the back of a van and it stopped. The nose stopped about six inches from the corner of the building. Wow. It was miraculous. That was our first little deployment, kind of exciting. So it's somewhat of a tradition when somebody jumps out of a jet and they survive it, right? They buy a barrel of beer at the club that evening. So Rump had gone through all of his stuff and we all show up at the club that night and he buys a keg for the squadron and we're all there and we're talking. We kind of, you know, licking our wounds and talking about, about the whole thing. The end of that whole story, they were having nose wheel steering issues with the Harrier at the time. It, it wasn't castering properly and that's what they chalked it up to. He was lucky to, lucky to get out of it. His Maybe, maybe a little critical. He shouldn't have tried to go around or maybe pull the power back to idle before he decided to shell the jet. But so, you know, so that was going to be a question of mine. So the, the power was up when he ejected. That's why it was like beaten, beaten across. The, That's right. <laughs> across the airfield the, at a high rate of speed. The power was, yeah, the thought was, the thought was, his thought process was to go around. Yeah. And the spool up was just so slow that he was looking at the at the edge of the runway before right. he could hey, do that. You said you uh let's go back a, a little a few minutes. You said you saw you thought, hey, what's this uh, hot air balloon doing here? So how close how close was this? Uh, it was just off your left, you know, your front left, like ten o'clock, like right here. I mean, when he ejected, it was. I didn't think I was in danger of nailing the shoot or anything but it was in my lower left quarter panel if you had a quarter panel in okay. the wind it was just the weirdest thing because all of a sudden out of nowhere it, w- <laughs> it just appeared <laughs> you're not supposed to be ballooning on the field <laughs> yeah i'm just happy i didn't key the mic and and put it on the record until now but uh those were my thoughts when i think back to the being a squadron pilot and how fast responsibility was thrust upon you in the squadron, just the needs of what was going on in the squadron. Heck, I got there in September and the skipper sent me to safety school the next April, which you've been there six months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm the safety officer. Do you know who the, and I was still Lieutenant. I'm still first Lieutenant. And you know who DSS was the director of standardization and safety at the squadron? Tron. There you go. Uh, the other lieutenant. <laughs> the other lieutenant. <laughs> beautiful. That was always a good job, though. I did safety. And uh, the beautiful thing about that was, regardless of rank, you always had the skipper's ear. You could walk into his office and go, this is screwed up. This needs to get fixed. This is going to be a problem. And Yeah. And, you know, as long as you were serious about your job, the skipper would take you seriously. Of course, they didn't generally send you to safety school if they thought you were a knucklehead. So that was a good thing. But... Um, so you I must have been the least always. of all the seven knuckleheads that showed up uh, because <laughs> they sent you to safety school and they made Tron the NATOS guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had a good time. It kind of, that kind of leads into the next. So there I was story. What do they say? Within three months of getting done with safety school. You're going to have, you're going to be, you're going to be investigating a mishap. mishap. Yep. We had a deployment out. We did a CAC. So we, we went out to 29 Palms, whole squadron. That's 29 Palms, the combined arm exercise. 
There we go. Thank you. I was going to go. I don't think we've covered that. CACs combined yeah. exercise. Yeah. yeah. Sleeping in tents, living in the desert, but good flying, really good flying, actually. I'm fixing to walk for my afternoon flight and I'm walking from my tent up to the ops tent to get a Jeep to go across the field. I look in the distance and there's a big black cloud oh, of smoke. Oh boy. And I'm like, okay, one of two really bad things. It's only us and there was a helicopter squadron that was there. And I was thinking either we lost a Harrier or possibly a bunch of Marines just got killed in their helicopter. Because generally that doesn't end up very well. No. So the first things what happened is I... Uh, get to the ops and they, they're running. Slaff, slaff. We lost a jet. We lost a jet. Okay. Uh, is the pilot okay? What, what's going on? And I go, yeah, it's out at Surprise Springs and the pilot ejected safely. He's okay. Okay. Who is it? Rump. Oh, Second airplane. Strike oh two. Second airplane in about 11 months. I'm like, oh uh, so my CACs turned into a lot of message traffic and picking up airplane parts and getting the mishap investigation going and everything. That one actually turned out to be the digital electronic fuel control. What happened on this was, real briefly, the fuel metering unit, which is the hydromechanical piece of the puzzle that actually meters the fuel into the engine but digitally controlled that thing locked up and it gave him about 55 percent power and it locked up when he was doing a downwind entry into surprise springs and then when he was coming around the approach turn you know he came up on the power and basically the rpm was was locked at 55 percent oh geez and it settled 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 until Paddle said, eject, 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 you know, from power, power, power to eject, 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 right? Yeah, right. Unfortunately, he did about everything in the cockpit except select manual fuel. But that was, that was only problem. Hindsight, though, is what it boils down to. It is. You know, when you've got a handful of airplane and it's coming out of the sky. Yeah. You don't have a lot of time to think about everything. The question is. Would he ever get out of another one was really the question that uh, that they had to ask. So there was no punitive. They were just, they just said, yeah, this is probably maybe look for something else to do. And probably about an inch and a half shorter too, after two ejections in his that short a time. That was, unf- that was, that was unfortunate for, uh, for Rump. There's a little bit more to that story, but uh, for another time, maybe. <laughs> So in 542, in the two years, I was in the squadron for just a little bit over two years, we lost four jets. Oh, my gosh. Actually, I take that back. The first one, Rump's first, the runway excursion, that was class B, and they put it back together. Okay. But we didn't lose that. That wasn't strike on that. But there was Hawk, Rump, two of Rump's, and then Skivvy's which was bad. Our skipper was Muff. He's retired, obviously, and super great guy. 
But we got back from that CACS, and I remember sitting in the office, the wing DSS came down and was reading the riot act to our skipper, Muff, that he hadn't gotten any message traffic and that the uh, two lieutenants in his safety office were just screwing everything up and need to get better help, basically, more responsible help. But to Muff's credit, he said, get out of my office and don't ever come back. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. So again, that's that's tough kind of leadership. Really good skippers that you see from really good skippers. At that time, I think Trip was the XO. So my favorite, okay. my favorite, my favorite Marine Corps squadron commander. Yeah. Uh, Slap in your email to me uh, some of the stories you said uh, after the first two years. Then uh, you know everybody started getting bad deals coming at them. You know, I'm I'm guessing fact tours, non flying tours, and. Guys were just threatening to get out so they wouldn't have yeah. to take a bad deal. Tell tell us about that. <laughs> the time in the squadron was so it was really so short. It went you know it went by in a flash, and all of a sudden these fact tours are coming down or training command tours. That's what happened to Mags was yeah. probably one of the first guys to go. There was I won't say who it was. But we used to say that uh, a bad deal came down towards this guy, and uh, he's like, well, I'm going to resign. I'm getting out. I'm not going to be able to do the fact tour. <laughs> and then once it went to somebody else, and he took it back, and we, we joked about him having a laminated resignation letter that he was yeah. using. I had a relationship with 203 CEO Ben Mayer at the time. Ben's gone. He's, uh, he uh, passed away several years ago. But I worked for him at the group when I was waiting waiting to start the RAG. He was the group director of standardization and safety. So maybe that's how I got my safety stamp. He was a CEO of the RAG. And as I saw kind of the writing on the wall and looking for how things were going to pan out, I talked to him and he said, man, Slaff, I'd love to have you come down and, and I'll get you out of safety. And why don't you come down and work for me? That was an opportunity I really couldn't pass up. And uh, so I took it. And that was really interesting. Rag instructor, yeah. Oh, well, repeat can attest to that. That was probably my favorite job in the Marine Corps was teaching in the rag because even though a student would try to kill you now and then, it, by their very nature, you know, they're going to do stuff that's unexpected, and that's why you're there to teach them. I learned more about flying the Harrier teaching it than I ever oh, did yeah. learning it and actually operating it. Yeah, I agree. You never learn something as well as when you have to teach it. Right. The time in the RAG was a lot of fun. In the schedule writing shop, I was lucky because Spico came in there and we started writing a schedule together. And that guy just is the driest sense of humor <laughs> and a lot of fun to work with. We had a pretty good gig. Lovey was the OPSO. Okay. Was he still around? Does that oh, ring yeah. a bell? Cur Colonel yeah. Lovejoy. Yeah. <laughs> Hound was yeah. always a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> he let us run the show. We did what we needed to. We got the job done. The rag was kind of neat because Ryder was WTI and okay. he got us doing stuff. He had a big push to get the rag back to being tactical, which was really neat. We did a deployment out to a weapons deployment out to Fallon. We loaded up with blue bombs. We had tankers and we were going to hit the Razorback Ranges 
dive off the tankers, do a short low level into the Razorback ranges and drop the blue bombs and re then join up with the tankers and keep going out to Fallon. That was just kind of unheard of with your typical transcon that yeah. you do, especially in a training command and, or in a training squadron. But it was really, really fun. And, and then, you know, the, the different students really have their own flavor. We had some guys, I think we were getting just the beginning of what we referred to as the top gun recruitees into the rag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. We had one guy shows up on a ninja, you know, and he's a, good, a, a really great guy. We had one guy that, that showed up. This guy's got a DeLorean, but they're all kind of, you know, show me to my, show me to my fighter, you know, where, where's my fighter? Beautiful. Yeah. So we, we had a good time with all that. The other thing is I did the, we, my last year in, we got tagged for quite a few air shows. So I did the air show thing, which was one of those, one of those things that I always wanted to do back to when I was getting into flying. I went to an air show at Moffett field with my dad and, uh, the weather was horrible, you know, kind of low rainy Northern Californian, nor, Northern California weather. And, uh, the blues did their, the blues were there, but before the blues flew, he, he said, Hey, Scott, you need to watch this airplane, this next airplane. And a little, and a guy in a green suit walks out, gets in a green airplane, funny looking airplane and blasts off and does the Harrier level three demo. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, Holy cow. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Air, airplanes can't do that. What no. the hell? <laughs> Yes. Jet jet aircraft can't do that. That's not possible. It was, maybe it was the early seed for the Harrier that kind of got me going. I mean, I wasn't laser beam focused on flying Harriers, but it it was one of those things I look back and go, yeah, maybe that's what it was. And to be able to go and do that uh, during my flying career was, was, I was, I was really lucky to be able to do that. I had an air show kind of an air show partner buddy of mine uh buck we would go out and and you might know him he was still in the oh yeah he stayed in for a yeah, yeah, buck. yeah yeah he was uh, he was over at uh, the company i work for I used to see that's right time. i almost yeah. just said where he is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i know where he is right now he's yeah. he's 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 lucky to be to be around after his right yeah incident right. and Chicago there. Yeah. yeah. I talked to him a while back, but Buck and I did a bunch of air shows. We did Beckley, West Virginia. I remember we're in Beckley. It's like, why are the Thunderbirds, Harriers, and the A-10 demo team in Be- Beckley, West Virginia? Yeah. yeah I did that show a- with Hound one year. Did you? Did you yeah. really? Yeah. Well, they who's must the- have a, a big high-level senator or something? That's yeah. Who was who was uh, oh, it was armed Bird, forces appropriations? It? Yeah, it was Bird. Oh, Robert Bird. That's what it was. Uh, yeah. yeah, that explains it. So that I got a funny story about Beckley when you're done. Okay. So the demo teams there, and Buck and I, we were kind of palling around with those guys too, and and they had their their crew chief. And right before they leave, they're they're heading down, and they're all talking about how they got to go meet a general down in in uh at mcdill or something like this for their next show and mike and i uh uh we grab a marine corps sticker and we put put it on the nose 
of one of the A10s and then on the on the gear pod of the of the other one i mean what's the first thing the general's going to do they look you look at an a10 you walk out you look at the gun right and what's he going to see there this resource day. <laughs> nice <laughs> love it but yeah what what did you do in in beckley so oh yeah so uh well thinking of let me go to the paint uh the the sticker one first there was another there was a reserve squadron that used to uh paint paw prints when you'd come park on their line on an overnight, you'd come back to your airplane the next day. There would be paw prints from their squadron <laughs> painted onto your airplane. <laughs> Just, you know, so you knew where you'd been. But, uh, no, so we're in Beckley, and Greyhound and I are standing there by the airplane, and this kid comes up, and he's probably 17 years old, maybe 18, and he's got his private license, and he's all full of himself, and he's looking at it. He goes, oh, that airplane's not much bigger than the 172 I fly. He goes, yeah, I could probably fly that. Thing. I can fly anything there is. I, I could fly that airplane easy. Hunk <laughs> looks at him and goes, that airplane would chew you up and spit you out before you got to the end of the runway, son. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty full of himself. A hound just wasn't having any evidence. Like, yeah, not quite. <laughs> yeah. So. 172 pilot. There you yeah, go. right. I could fly that thing. That's not much bigger than what I fly. It'd be easy. I don't think so. Vapor, was he a <laughs> student when you were a rag instructor? Yeah, he was Is a student. That, did he get his call sign in the rag? Yes. <laughs> I'm guessing. Did you did you hear the story on that we, one? We, no, we need to get him on too. But yeah, get him uh, on. Maybe sure. he'll tell it to you. But there was, it was it, not it, what you think. Okay. It's, yeah, it was a low fuel state. Really. Well, that's what I was thinking on vapors. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Or he's just <laughs> shit hot coming into the break. Yeah, right. I don't know. You know, that's the that's the wrong kind of vapor. Yeah. 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 But the uh, probably the bat the one of the funnest air show <laughs> stories we have. We're doing this air show in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and uh, Buck and I. And it was a long weekend, so we couldn't go back to Cherry Point. It was closed until Monday. And we talked to the air show guys and go, you know, we really need to leave early. We've already flown. We flew on Sun. We flew the, the show on Sunday. He goes, we really need to leave before you guys get done. We're going to Patrick. We're going to overnight yeah. there. They go, well, could you do a formation flyby for us? And we're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll do a formation flyby for you. Why, yes, we can. <laughs> so it kind of reminds me a little bit of the story you told about the St. Louis airport. But oh. Uh, oh. we, so I, I go to Buck, I go, look, this would be a great time to try that high speed, low speed thing that the Blue Angels do. We'll do a stream stow. We'll go out. We'll come back into the break. You break, you slow down and fly your normal pattern. I'll extend out and come back around for the high speed part of it. You just stay on the inside of the runway and I'll, I won't cross the center line and I'll stay on the crowd side of the, of the runway. And I remember, so we break, I keep the power in the, in the corner and I extend out. And all I remember hearing was, come on, Slav, come on, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> and I'm like, 
<laughs> I'm going as fast as I can, Buck, to catch up. <laughs> it didn't work out exactly how the Blue Angels do it, you know, but it was close. Uh, yeah. One airplane yeah. went by really slow. One went by really fast. But, oh, hey, uh, defi- uh, f- for the non-Harrier uh, aviators listening, stream stow. Can you describe oh, yeah. what that means? Oh, yeah, yeah. So rather than being uh, doing a section takeoff or a formation takeoff, we'd separate by, was it 1,000 feet? I, I seem to recall about 1,000 feet. Might have been yeah, 1,000 feet. One would line up on either side of the runway. The lead would, we do all of our run-ups and our checks. The lead would say, rolling, rolling, go. That's when you put the power in a corner. Both guys did it simultaneously. You're rolling down the runway, and then you got to your nozzle rotation speed, and both guys would rotate the nozzles, pop up, and then the lead would give a couple percent, and then you could join up on them, generally by the end of the runway, right? Yeah. yeah. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. That's a perfect description. Hey, and one, one more thing. Um, and a sto- we, hold on, and a stow being what's called a short takeoff. So yeah, it's this acronym. Oh yeah, yeah, short, yeah. short takeoff. Yeah, usually takes a few hundred feet. Yeah, uh, not, not, yeah. not a lot. No more than three hundred, really. We, we've heard reference over and over to putting it up in the corner, putting the power in the corner. So what does that mean? Putting the power in the corner. Describe that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I yeah, know, put right? the power in the corner. It? Yes. So I, I guess the cockpit's got four corners, right? So yeah. I think it, it came from the, you know, the. Put it up in the, the left hand corner. Up in the yes. left hand corner. As far yeah. as it'll go, right? As Stick far it as it'll go. Yeah. yeah. Military yeah. power, firewall power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have through the limiters. <laughs> Not through the limiters. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so there were, yeah. there were limiters on the airplane. Naturally, it, you'd go to the, you'd go all the way forward and it would, it, it would go to max power and the digital engine control unit, the deck you would control, keep the engine from over, over temping, overcooking itself. If you got in trouble, you could go through that limiter and the engine will give you all it had, no matter the temp. And that was a quick way to destroy a multi-million dollar engine. Uh, but you could save the airplane. Yeah, you'd save the airplane. Lose the engine, yeah. save the airplane. And that's why it was there. Yeah. So, yeah. so many foot pounds of pressure uh, pushing forward would break that little, uh, would, would trip the switch. Yep. Yeah, there's a little, there was a little spring plunger, right? And yeah. you pushed against that and then it, the, it just, Hit the little switch at the right. end there. Yeah. There you go. Okay. okay. I'll give you it's all, all I got. Back. I'll give you all I got, Captain. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's all coming back. I don't know if I had to trip the limiters. I had one where I was doing a hover check. Did you guys see uh, yeah. uh, PMCF, you know, hover Pete, check? Uh, uh, repeat was. Yeah. Yeah. So you had to do a hover check and it was. The water water didn't flow, and it was hot, and I was a little bit too heavy, and you know I just need a little bit more temperature. <laughs> yeah. Without we water had a ninety gallon water tank, I think it was ninety. It was either ninety or sixty. Five hundred. It was five hundred pounds. So yeah, so it was uh, yeah. so it more like a sixty gallon water tank, good for up to ninety seconds of flow, or it was a ninety gallon good for sixty gallons. But yes, yes yeah, right. okay, fifty and five hundred pounds. pounds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, ten pounds a gallon. Distilled yeah. water. It had to be distilled, to be distilled water. water, and it would get injected into the engine to to cool it, so you could run the engine just a little faster and get a little more thrust out of it. And it seemed to recall, you know, given on a standard day, standard temperature, all that, it was worth uh, twelve, fifteen hundred pounds more thrust. Wasn't yeah. it? it was a lot. Fifteen hundred pounds of extra yeah. thrust. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. But it was one of those single point failures that, you know, if the water pump didn't work, then. Then you were, you were in a sandwich <laughs> quickly. Yeah. You, maybe you're going to go through the limit or something. Yeah. 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 But that was, that was all, all fun. What a, what a great design on that airplane though, to, to do all that. I have the uh, F-35s fly over my house. Uh, out here they build them right over here and uh at Lockheed oh, yeah. Martin right right and uh yeah it still gives me shivers to uh to see that but that's a totally different program on that the way that that thing flies a little more computerized F- few million more lines of code in that than in the AV8 oh, <laughs> yeah well slaff i'm looking at your email uh with all these little different information parts of your career it looks like you you literally got off active duty about the time I was checking into the rag in Cherry Point. I think so. Yeah, March of nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah. That's I, that's about that's about when I checked in, and Bear was the admin officer. Yeah, and he says, uh, you know, I got good news and bad news, Lieutenant. What do you want first? And I'm I'm thinking, well, go ahead and give me the bad news, you know, because uh, you know, it, it, you know, I'm thinking. I'm going to be the rifle range safety officer for the next three months or something. He goes, well, the bad news is uh, you're not going to start for a few months. Okay. What's the good news? I here it comes. Right. And he goes, well, and he told me I was going to go get stashed next door at that little hams 32 squadron, you know, that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I got to do that. That was kind of fun. Yeah. When I was waiting around, I flew, I, I I flew around in the OA four was, uh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. That was, that was good a good little thing to do. I was always a bagger. I was, you know, from the very beginning, even when I was held back in, uh, in the training command, if I, if I was on a flight schedule, I was in there begging for a backseat and something. And a lot of guys went to the beach and stuff and did other stuff, but you know, my whole time flying, I, I wanted to fly airplanes. And, and so I did that. And, uh, I remember, Rick Rodecker gave me my first backseat oh, yeah. ride in the T-88A. And when we did that short takeoff, and then when he came back and he came back and he did a vertical landing, I was like, I don't know if I'll be able to do this. I don't know <laughs> if I will be able to keep up with this thing or move the stick enough to right. do a vertical landing. It was just... I was spreading my legs to make sure I didn't t- hit the stick. He's moving it around so much. <laughs> yeah, but the A, the A, the A was a little more unstable, right? In the hover, I yeah. never flew that. Yeah, it, it was. A, yeah, it was a little bit. It was like the B with the stab aug off. Yeah, yeah. If you sass, ever did that, the SAS. Yeah, yeah. Stability augmentation. Yeah, three. Yeah, but with that off, it was that. It was similar to that. Yeah, that's, and, uh, that's what I was told. Well, no yeah. wonder. Hey, uh, I just had a, I had a uh, real quick. I had a flash there. Bear, Bear took me for a ride. My first ride in the Harrier. I just jumped in the back seat with him. He was in the T Bird. He was leading a couple of guys out to the range and then back. And we had come. And you know, I had the same kind of thoughts that you did. It was like, oh, I don't know how the hell I'm going to be able to do this. I mean, the takeoff. It was like holy shit. We you know we accelerated fast, and then yeah. of course we came back, and he he we landed on a pad, and then he taxied out of the way real quick to watch the students land in the single seaters, 
and he we came in pretty fast and we decelerated pretty rapidly and then he put it down on the pad and i'm thinking holy shit how what just happened but i had to tell you this to get to to get you because remember they had the hot pits yeah fuel you up you go through the hot pit which is uh you leave the engine running you pull in they they drag the fuel over they give you fuel and then you'd go park and it was already fueled so we're sitting in the hot pits and i'm sitting in the back seat and i you know i'm just sitting there and and bears going uh the plane captain or the, you know, the, the Marine that's feeling this, he's sitting, there's one guy standing right off to the left and he's looking right up at me because I guess he thought I was the instructor. And he goes, Hey, uh, bear goes, show him, uh, show him one finger. Now, you know, hold up two fingers. And, <laughs> which, which, you know, I don't know. Which one? <laughs> so I'm holding the fingers. And he goes, he goes, you didn't oh, flip you know, him off. Did you think? No, 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 no. <laughs> he's telling me to give this guy all the signals that mean absolutely nothing. And I've got this poor kid down here standing next to us going, what in the actual hell is, is he trying to tell me? <laughs> nice. Oh, yep. that's funny. Good times. I actually had my first ride with uh, Tim Shea, the Brit exchange pilot. And he came in, and he he was determined to impress me. So we did a braking stop hover, fifteen degrees nose down. What? There is a face full of dirt when you're you, fifteen degrees nose down. Doesn't seem like much. You got a face oh, yeah. full of dirt when you're hovering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was impressive. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, it was a it was really a neat airplane. So yeah. much you could do with it. I remember telling telling students because guys would get a little bit frustrated or or whatever and and it was my observation that the harrier took average hands could fly the harrier but it took above average headwork you had there was so many single point uh uh procedural errors that would put it into the dirt that unlike any other airplane i mean what's the difference between a 70 degree day and a 90 degree day in a hornet a couple hundred feet of deck roll yeah uh, maybe yeah. you know in a harrier you go to the pad and and you didn't take that into account you're you're a passenger it happened to friends of mine i mean yeah yeah landing short of the pad it was yeah just crazy so these little headwork errors that that guys would make was was a high. I think it was an under. It was an under. Uh, ex, you know, it, was a, it, it was a threat that was not addressed nearly enough. I think. For our yeah, guys. that's a. I would say that's a very fair observation. That you're absolutely right. Um, and you could get good at that airplane, and you know, with a couple hundred hours, you could be very good at the airplane, but. Uh, you could find yourself an extremist pretty quickly if you didn't take everything into account every time you took it up. Yeah, well, I think uh, through mitigation technique was they started um, they started making minimum minimum cutting scores before they would even let a guy go to the go to the rag. Yeah, that, you know that was maybe a you know a way to mitigate some of that you know average. You know, average average guy can look like a pretty uh, shit hot guy in a hornet, but an average guy could look like a pretty smoking hole real fast in a Harrier, right? Yeah. Over the airplane's history, they went through a lot of that. Remember, there was a period of time when they were it was all second tour aviators, yeah, second tour. And AVA. Right. They were trying to 
second tour. Yeah, second guys. tour. And then they were like, well, nobody, nobody junior to a major, you know, or, or yeah. I, I mean, it was, they tried everything. And then the, when I was going for it, you had to have no downs in a training command, a good AKT FAR score, aviation qualification test, right. uh, flight aptitude rating, yep. or uh, two points above squadron average. Any one of them. So I didn't have any downs. I had a good AKT FAR, but I was squadron average. And that's what they were taking in the Harrier when I did it. And then when I went back as a rag instructor, it was wide open. And they're like, we're taking everybody because it's the AVAB and we're not going to do this anymore. Yeah, right. I don't know. What was it was, for you, repeat? What was that like? What, do you know? Do you recall? Of course, it's been 25 years, but I've got to say that I, my recollection was the guys coming through when I was teaching were, they were outstanding. They We we didn't well, have really any weekends in the bunch. To, when to you were in the RAG, I was, at, uh, I was in Kingsville instructing, yeah. and I can tell you that they weren't letting guys select Harriers. They weren't at the top. Yeah. Actually, okay. some, well, that, some that guys were getting then. Harriers that didn't want Harriers because they had yeah. better scores than some of the other Marines. Yeah, that was a funny thing, too. They had Harriers also had to be your top choice. When oh, okay. I went through when, when I selected if Hornets, if it was Hornets and Harriers, you weren't getting the Harriers. Yeah. You're going to get your third choice if you didn't get Hornets. Okay. You know, that's kind of so there I was. That's kind of that's kind of ancestor uh, worship a little bit. Uh, you know, they're these guys are trying everything to make it as safe as possible. But yeah, the guys that really tried hard again, I think great aviators that went there and, and great guys that just were in the wrong spot at the wrong time. I mean, you, you think about what happened to Indian. Uh, his canopy imploded. It was a, a TAV8A. He was r- racing around low level, flight surgeon in the backseat, canopy imploded, uncommanded ejection for him, killed him and, uh, the flight surgeon didn't get out either. Oh my gosh. And then they restricted, uh, they restricted them down to, I don't know, 250 knots or something like that was a fix for that. But, uh, who else? So, you know, I mean, skivvies, uh, what, what happened to skivvies was shouldn't have happened to, that was the first fatality. I think that was the first fatality we had in AVAB with skivvies. What was, the, what was the scenario on that? Uh, it was a, it was an air to air, uh, Beautiful day. I remember like uh, it was yesterday. And he turned yeah, the off the, the uh, Q field. Oh, it, was it the SAS? Yeah, Q turned field off the pitch? and the roll. Yeah. The roll channel. Think, thinking he because he could roll faster. Yeah. Yeah. The tactical advantage fighting another Harrier. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, let me, and let the, me the, jump in real quick and explain what that is. And then if you'll explain the rest of the scenario, because you're, you're more familiar with it than, than I think Fig and me. But uh, so the Q field, Q is the uh, mathematical expression for airspeed in the airplane. The faster you go, the harder it is going to be to pull in a cable operated airplane. Well, with a hydraulic airplane, you move the stick and it's just going to move the control surface 3000 PSI and it's going to move it instantly to where you want it to go. So the computer goes, no, no, let's make it a little harder to pull on that stick. The faster you go, the harder it is to pull, but you had the ability to turn that switch off that gave you the feeling of a higher airspeed. So you could just move the stick at will anywhere and it would instantly move the flight control surfaces. So uh, if you'll go to, uh, I turn it back over to you, Slav, because it sends it badly. <laughs> The other thing that a lot of guys didn't know, me included, was the Q feel also affects the rudder feel. 
So the rudder actually gets harder to push at higher air speeds. And that kind of goes into the contributing factors in that mishap. So I won't go into a lot of details because there's some issues with who was in the flight and everything. But uh, anyway, yeah, Q fuel was off the mechanics of it. Q fuel was off. Roll was off. And unless you really read the fine print in the NATOPS, the roll channel of the stability augmentation also was part of the departure resistance system. And so if you think about it, if you get a high angle, a higher angle of attack, if you introduce any roll, you get an instantaneous side slip and that will cause a departure. So the roll channel would restrict the roll at higher angles of attack as the angle of attack went up so that it wouldn't depart. Yeah, so Skivvy's left to left with the skipper, beautiful clear day. It's a 2v1. He's the wily bogey and left to left goes two circle, two circle fight, which means one guy turns one way, the other guy turns the other, other way. You expect to see the guy on the other side of the circle, which can be five miles away, right? Yeah. Three to five miles away, two right. circles. Depending on your speed, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's a dot. It's not like Top Gun. And (laughs) (laughs) it's a dot. That's why you need good vision to to be able to do this kind of thing. Well, the skipper comes around the two circles and he doesn't see anybody where they're supposed to be. And he sees an airplane that's kind of in a not not real nose low, but a a slower nose low spiral. And they cause a knock it off because they think it's an interloper, somebody else in the area that's not in that restricted area that's not part of their flight interloper, right? right? So you call knock it off for an interloper. He watches, Skipper's got 4,000 hours of Harrier time, and he watches this airplane and just flies until it crashes into the Noose River, splashes into the Noose River. Yeah. So the rest of the story, and that was really hard because we couldn't, there was no ejection, and they couldn't find, they couldn't find the pilot. We couldn't find the pilot for three days. That was heart-wrenching. So the mechanics of the, the cause of the whole thing that we, we came up with was we had the HUD tape through the initial parts of the departure and it departed and the injuries that Skivvies had pointed towards uh, hyperextension fractures in his neck, which means his neck was held and his body, his body pulled on his neck and it broke his neck and he was incapacitated and there was marks on his on his helmet that matched the screws on the side of the seat in between the seat and the canopy and we had a head and neck guy come down and you know verify that whole thing and that whole scenario so it's pretty ugly i mean you can't invent this stuff right you cannot invent what happens in aviation yeah yeah Yeah. and whoever thought someone would turn that off and, and it would hurt him you know, I'll, right. just do, I'll turn this off and I'll be able to put on a, a wicked bad turn and kick the CO's butt and he'll be impressed yeah. with me. Right. And, you know, yeah. Good head yeah. Work, there was some bad judgment. dynamics with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That was, that was, that was, bad judgment, I should say. Yeah. yeah. That was tough, but that was the first fatality. That was, a, that was the first fatality, I think, in the AVAB. I didn't, I'll be darned. And I kind of lost count of ejections after 20 in my short period of time that was, that I was there. But that's that, that's a lot. That's a lot of airplanes. Yeah, that's a lot of airplanes, buddy. Yeah, 
Well, let's don't end on this uh, happy note. Um, give, us, give us something <laughs> funny, funny you saw. <laughs> yeah. So, what what is really funny? This was kind of this was funny, and and there's a little bit of message in here too. So, uh, th- way back in training command days, uh, Tommy Mariner was our opso. We tagged on to a VT-21 weapons debt with four airplanes from Kingsville and went out to Fallon and got some X's out there. But we only had four jets and they're limping along and we're, we're getting the X's. And I remember we had, we kind of had a bad day. The guys that I was with, we, we had, a I don't know what we were doing. That was rockets or strafing, or maybe it was bombing, but we all sucked at it. We went back to the BLQ room Four of us, I think four or five of us, we're all in the room and we're we're saying how how bad this sucks and and I know you're saying where's the funny part of this whole thing, right? But you know, we're talking rather loud, yeah, this sucks and da 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 and we're fixing to go back and they want us to get some they want us to do some low levels on the way back and plan all this stuff. And one of the guys is like, I'm not going to freaking plan for low levels and blah, blah, blah. You're not going to get to do them anyway. <laughs> yeah. And, and right as we're venting on all of this, the door flies open and it's Tommy Mariner. It's Tut. And he freaking reads us the riot act. And he said, you guys will do whatever you're told. And there are people out there that would give their left nut to do what you're doing and get to fly these airplanes and fly around in an A4. And none of you guys are going back in back seats unless you come and talk to me. You know, it was really funny, not funny, haha, but it was funny because I, boy, I really took it to heart. I go, you know, he's exactly right. There are people, all those guys that I worked on that T-33 with and back in a civilian in the Warbird world that would just give anything to just go for a, just go for a ride in one of these. Yeah, just for a ride. Yeah, not even to get to fly yeah. for a living, but a ride. Yeah. Right. And I took that to heart. And of course, I went back and I ate a little bit of crow and I begged him to fly back in the, in the backseat of one of the jets and and he allowed me to do that, which I'm grateful for. But it, it really put it in perspective what we get to do and how great, how really great that is. It's much less than 1%. It's one tenth of 1%. Uh, and then if you chalk up flying the Harrier in there, but that was kind of, it's kind of one of those things that you're the, the funny, the funny part of that story is you're sitting in there thinking, you know, uh, thinking you're really smart and then, yeah, you're all full of yourself, right? That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, he rolls in there and brings you back to the real world, which was good. It was good. It was good for me. I don't know if the other guys took it to heart, but I'm just kind of a sensitive kind of guy. There anyway, you go. That's so. it. A reality. Yeah. And a good yeah. one at that. We so. could, yeah, we, we could tell, we could sense that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, lawman was supposed to be in the seven lieutenants and he, he ended up, he ended up having to have knee surgery because of his, his Arizona state trooper, uh, injuries. I think he finally had to get knee surgery. So he got cut out of that, but I just kind of think about how different his path may have been if, 
he would have been in in the group with us versus going to 331 because 331 deployed to to Westpac right you know right after he got there i never i never went to Westpac and uh never had to go on the boat we came real close to deploying on the kennedy as a squadron oh but that got have been different yeah that that kind of the a6s were getting real tired and they wanted something else and they came up with the idea to kind of redo that. Remember that Roosevelt, uh, 231 as a squadron went on the Roosevelt in the AV8A. Right. They did a cruise on a Roosevelt. Right. But, uh, yeah. So but then they decided, well, we don't want to waste, uh, big deck, big deck space on an airplane that doesn't need a, a hook or a, or a catapult. So yeah. Then we were banished, yeah. banished forever from those cruises. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. But it was, uh, it, it's a fascinating history. I don't, I, I'm, I'm glad that you guys are doing this so it gets some of that history out there. Well, we're thrilled to be doing it. And the feedback has been nothing shy of amazing. It's been a lot of fun. And that's why I'm hoping that perhaps your pop would be willing to come on and, and share some of that history with us as well. Um, well, he's still pretty sharp. Uh, I might have to loan him my headphones. They do get guys together. There's a lot of Air Force out there in uh, in Arizona and Tucson. He's in the Tucson area, okay. and they get together. And uh, he's given some talks about his days on a carrier. And well, that would be fun to do, and even to get some of those guys. And if if you're listening and you know somebody or you are somebody who's got some stories, these these are truly history stories. Yeah, and uh, some are, of the things that people are, did in aviation uh, are amazing. We've been blessed to be able to get them to come and share it with us. Sadly, we're at the end of our ability to spend any more time with you today, Slaff. But I'm hoping you'll come back at some point <laughs> in the future. Chat some more with us. We've had. Well, you know, you're you're gonna re- you're gonna think of six stories as soon as it's over. You're gonna think, Absolutely. oh, I should have said, I should have told him about this time and this time. So that's why that's why the invitation's always open. But I appreciate that, you guys. Uh, again, uh, you're you're touching more people than I think you realize. Just real quick, we get together with with guys in the neighborhood and get real smart couple scotches here and there in front of our fire pits it's amazing and how we, much the iq goes up with scotch <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and we've used your format to get to know some of our neighbors oh, just kind of awesome. you know how did you get involved we got a firefighter that lives next door and you know how did you get involved in that man it is just it's just a great format everybody has a story they know? do uh, whether you're a aviator or a or a plumber or whatever. Everybody's got stories. So this, this is for our stories. This is for aviators. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're fun. They're fun stories. Yeah. Some of them not always so happy, but uh, they're, they're fun, good stories. You know, you had shiny on here, you know, he was one of yeah. my students, you know, yeah. all these guys and rich Regan, he was one of my, uh, you know, contemporaries and everything. I remember. And, and and all let me add all aviation too. I talked to a young man the other day who's just he's got his CFI and his CFII, and he's trying to break into professional aviation uh, as uh, as something more than an instructor uh, because that pays ever so well. But he he wants to move on, and and I'm thinking Fig he may be a good guy to get on to to help some of our younger listeners who think they want to break into aviation to find out what that pathway is if you don't go through the military to get your ratings and become a pilot. get them on man yeah I get them on uh, here. Yeah, here's here are the challenges. Here's where it's tough. Because I I know this much. I you've got to want to do this. This is not something you can go. Ah, I think I'll do that. And you know, I, no, I, I think I'll go pump gas. I think I'll and and not to not 
not trying to denigrate anything anybody does. I, I think I think I'll go flip burgers at Wendy's. Uh, um, this is not aviation. Is not something you go. I think I'll go do. You got to want it because it it's work. <laughs> it yeah. is uh, a, a lot of brain work and a lot of application, mental application to to get there. You can't just wander into it. I guess that's my point. Yeah, and we're the three lucky guys that got to go through it and do it. You know, and right. that's yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, came out uh, the other side. Flying and came out the other came side. Came out the other side in one piece, <laughs> in spite of our best efforts. So, <laughs> uh, right. So, yeah. Well, all right. Well, let me uh, let me close it out here. We've got a couple people we got to acknowledge. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is Rumble, folks. We're at ninety-seven. Three nice. more. Three more. Three you got to sign up, and I get to quit paying ten bucks a month so we can live stream to you. <laughs> Come on, there's there's three of you on Rumble. There's ten of you on Rumble right now. Come on, make it so you can help us. All out. All three here. friends for crying out loud. Three right? friends, exactly. It's, it's free. Sign your mother up. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> hey, you can also find us on Facebook. So there I was. Us slash Facebook. Uh, so there I was. Us slash Rumble. If you're looking for us on Rumble. So there I was. Us slash Twitter. And you can email us. You can email Fig. Fig at so there I was dot us. Or me repeat at so there I was dot us. R-E-P-E-T. Our sponsor is Robin's Bird Brain Designs. Custom gifts. Etch anything. Get a hold of Robin. Find out how you can put a special personalized touch on your gift to somebody. Show you've put a lot of thought and effort into getting them that perfect personalized gift. Thanks to our friend over at the Mac Geek Gab. Who is that, Fig? Dave Hamilton. He's the one that's responsible for the, all the technology that gets us up and running, and we really, really appreciate it. We couldn't do it. Thanks a lot, Dave. Yeah. I put up a new page this week, Fig. I don't think you're aware of it yet. So there I was, .us slash subscribe. So you go to that on your iPhone or your Android phone. You go to so there I was, .us slash subscribe, and there are links there that you can hit Apple Music, Spotify, iHeart, anywhere that you like to listen to podcasts, there'll be a button there. It'll take you and subscribe in your in your method of listening. If you hey, that's awesome. Yeah. So if you can do it though on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it because that's where the homepage is on Apple Podcasts. When you're subscribed to us through there, you can then go on and give us that five star rating. Not a four-star rating, not a three-star rating. We need that five-star rating and good reviews. The reviews have been amazing. We're humbled. We're honored. And then lastly, glossary. If there's a term you've heard that you didn't understand and we didn't think to stop and explain to you what it was, write to us. Tell us to get it on the glossary page. and We'll explain what it is. But in the meantime, until next week, everybody, stay safe and... Gex 6. Crossing the pond And you could see that I wasn't exactly fond Of all the shit I was wearing On that day Now an F-16 is cramped enough But it's even worse With all that stuff Supposed to save your life But we knew there was no way No way If you're going down the North Atlantic Man, it's over That's what the song says So long, everybody See? Okay, that's a lawsuit.